I am from beyond. Listen, and all you desire will be yours. Welcome to Spider-Man and the Secret Wars. Prepare for battle. Aside in a clone wars. Welcome to Prattle World. I'm your host, the ever amazing, ever spectacular Spider Dan. And in this podcast, I spotlight entertainment's best kept secrets that a mainstream audience may find boring. And welcome to another edition of Clone Wars, where two similar movies clash to be crowned champion. Two films go in, but only one comes out. And we are back for the third part of Western Month, and I've invited the batshit crazy bandito Andrew Knowles back to talk two films that have influenced Quentin Tarantino's two massive westerns, Django Unchained and The Hateful Eight. And we're going to look at these classic spaghetti westerns and honour the memory of Sergio Corbucci and Ennio Morricone to a lesser extent in this very podcast. Welcome back, Andrew Knowles. Hello, <laughs> you son of a gun, you. you son of a gun. Pull up to the saloon, strap yeah. on your spurs, because we're in for a couple of doozies. You're in for a bumpy ride, son. <laughs> you certainly are. Welcome back. And this is the first podcast I have when I have a live person in the room. I've really, oh, really missed this. It's been a weird couple of months, hasn't it? Yes, it has. It's been a weird couple of months. And it's weird now everything's going back to normal as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, you're a, you work at a pub and that's yes, weird. Uh, I'm still working from home. Still weird. Yeah. It's all very, very weird. But at least we're, we're moving in a positive light. In a, we're, yeah. we're going, we're moving forward in, you know, in the right direction. Well, it's, it's positive the fact that you're sat in my office. Come Absolutely. Man cave come studio of nightmares. The, so, yeah. the, uh, this is angry Andy Knowles reviews HQ. I it mean. is. It's I just mean. littered with Star Wars toys and. <laughs> Uh, the old Marvel a lot of, toy. A lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of Infinity Gauntlets, Dragons, Gears of War, yeah. Uncharted, Transformers. On one wall, then you turn around, there's literally just Vader staring at you from one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, so, this yeah. is this is the HQ, so make sure that you check out Andy's Angry Reviews on YouTube. Fantastic YouTube channel. Uh, one of my favourites. Um, I think your latest review was De Five Bloods. It was, yeah, yeah, really um, good war movie. Oh, I'd love yeah. a good, I love a good Vietnam movie, yeah. and I have, I have to say, I'm, I'm super pumped for that one. So yeah. I'm, I'm definitely have to give watch that, that one a watch. Yeah, Absolutely. don't watch Artemis Fowl. And <laughs> let's not talk about that. But again, I did a review on that, and it's awful. more like Artemis Fowl. It, ah, yeah, uh, so see, he's, see. Uh, he's a man of words. <laughs> I'm, I'm me and my words. You're a man of words, boy. <laughs> you come in with your words. Come in a man, establishment. Well, I mean, we are moving forward in a positive light in the real world, but these films do the opposite in yes, some do. ways. In yes, some ways, do. Um, so we're going to talk Django. Yep. The original 1966 version, directed by Sergio Corbucci and 
the 1968 The Great Silence, also directed yes. by Sergio Corbucci. Was the last Clone Balls we did, was that Robo Geisha and Machine Girl? Yeah, it was, yeah. And that was by the same director, wasn't it? It was, it was. So, yeah. We... Can't, can't remember his name for the life. No, I can't either. <laughs> remember the films? Can't yes, remember the, yeah. absolutely remember those films. Yeah, check, but... check that podcast out. Yeah. That, is a, that is a mad one. But the, these films are supposedly or named as part of the Modern Blood trilogy That's right. by Corbucci. And the final film, which we we both only discovered, yeah. wasn't it? Was it, what's it called? It's called The, the, the Specialists. Specialists. Yes. And that was released in 69. Right. So we'll have to watch that. We're going to have to finish off this trilogy, the Modern yes, Blood trilogy. Um, so I'm going to bring up the reasons for comparison before we get started. So, Excellent. So I've chosen these two because they are both considered spaghetti western cult classics. And they're not as, as heralded as the Sergio Leone films that you'll know the good, the bad, the ugly, fistful of dollars. Yeah. And so on, Fistful of Dynamite, all those yep. great films, which are very, very good. They're both directed by Sergio Corbucci, both part of the Mud and Blood trilogy, as we just mentioned. Both are named after the lead character. Yes, they are. Yes, and they, are. they were both made within two years of each other, which is usually one of the, one of the things I have, you know, like, yeah, we have with the, the kind of twin films phenomenon, don't mm. we? We have a lot of Armageddon, the, Deep Impact, exactly. Independence Day, Mars Attacks, even though they're completely different films, but yeah, yeah but you can still get at the same time. There is still room for comparison absolutely yeah. and also these films were both so violent considered so violent at the time that they were not released in the uk until the 1990s decades that's like nearly 35 years yeah and and then they were like why did we ban this like there's a lot worse yeah. stuff out there now at the time both of them in italy were considered the most violent films ever released mm. And people didn't know how to react to them. But obviously, like you said, they became cult classics. Exactly. Like Obviously, there would have been bootlegs in America, boot, oh, definitely. bootlegs in England. You know, these films will have been seen. Tarantino said it himself, didn't he? He found copies of them and watched them. And I'm pretty sure my, my nan had <laughs> somehow had a VHS of The Great Silence. I'm pretty convinced because I think that's how I watched is it. Your, is your, nana, is your nana a pirate? Well, no, I don't know. But she must have got it from somewhere because she's a big fan of Western movies and the Western thing, you know, like the, the American Indians, uh, you know, all, all of that stuff and how it's changed, you know, and how they're called Native Americans and things like that. Yeah. She's a big, she's a history teacher. Oh. So she was a big fan of like how perceptions have changed, you know, from the old, oh, the cowboys were great. Yeah. And then how it's, you know, it's evolved over time. So I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty positive she had this film, okay. but I don't know where she got it from. And I need to ask her because that's kind of like, <laughs> Like, it's burning on me. I'm like, nah, and how did burning you let the great silence when nobody's been allowed to see it <laughs> up until 2002? I will, I will say this: like, this, this was a hard film to find even now. Yeah. Like, given yeah. you know the, I mean, the access you, you we have, you couldn't have picked you couldn't have picked two harder films to bloody find. I mean, thankfully, one of them was on Amazon. But the great yes. silence, God Almighty! Yeah, good luck, good luck finding that, guys. I, I picked a hard one. I didn't realize it was this hard to yeah. find. I thought there was a DVD release, but I think you can probably find some like uh, multi-region DVDs or like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, region three or four, um, possibly yeah. um, outside outside the UK. Um, yeah. There's no official no Modern Blood trilogy release yet, which is unfortunate because I really wanted to pick that up. I imagine probably somebody will get get a hold of that. Someone like Arrow Video or yeah, because one, they're one hundred eight films or one hundred one yeah, films. I think because Arrow have like a I think it's Arrow or is it might be another one that has like a Western release thing. They start releasing Western classics, you know, like remasters yeah, of like. I think so. 
Magnificent Seven and all that a few that, years that ago. Make, so. That would make sense. They do, I know they do a slashers classic mm-hmm. with loads of slasher films. Yeah. So I mean, the, the glory of Blue, uh, Blu-ray and 4K, and I, I think I saw in my research for The Great Silence is that there is a 4K remaster hmm. coming for The Great Silence, but whether that's going to be North America or whatever alone, I'm not entirely sure. I think let's get started. Let's okay, get so cracking. Let's talk about this. Well, I, well, actually, just before we get on, like, oh, you're 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 a big fan of westerns. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. say I wouldn't say I'm um, a scholar of westerns. No. I have a very select few western films that I absolutely adore mm. that I can rewatch over and over again. But it, for me, westerns as a genre is extremely significant because of what comes after it. So we're, we're sat in a room surrounded by Star Wars stuff, True. and Star Wars is a Western. And without mm. these Western classics, you would not have Star Wars. You would True. not have so many other genres of movies. Mm. You could even look at Blade Runner and go, "There's hints of Western in there." You know, yeah. things yeah. like that. You know, lone gun, lone gunslinger. Exactly. Yeah. So Westerns, they, you know, the, the genre itself was in cinema for decades. It ruled the silver screen for decades, and. You know, whatever you think about westerns, you can't just you know not you can't, you can't the brothers. Yeah, exactly. You can't bypass yeah. westerns without you know including all of cinema. Yeah, like there on there was hundreds made, hundreds and hundreds, and TV shows as well, and they went yeah. on for decades, years and years and yeah. years. And the influence that they had, you know, even Star Wars. Yeah, it's part western, it's yeah. part samurai movie. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's part King yeah. Arthur epic. Yeah. You know, it's all of those things. And again, like even even the Mandalorian is pure western. Oh yeah, the Mandalor- Mandalorian is, is just a western in every sense of the word. It just has a Star Wars coating on it. Yeah, you know, it's just painted in Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Western, the Western genre. You know, I don't, I don't like all westerns. You know, no, no, I, I don't. I'm not a particularly fan of John Wayne's movies, to be fair. But it's just what they, what they've done for cinema in a, hmm. in a very broad stroke. Even like, even going as you know, uh, James Mangold Logan, like Wolverine film. Well, yeah, yeah. The, the influence, the western influences in that, absolutely, the lone gunman fighting for people that can't protect themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what the film is. And then the hero dies on his sword, you know, mm. almost quite literally. Yeah. That is the epitome of a Western. You know, the hero puts everything on the line and sometimes the heroes ride off into the sunset. Sometimes they they, don't. they, they pay the ultimate price, which, yeah. you know, the sacrifice, as it were. And I, I think uh, I think you're absolutely right. I think without Westerns, and that's kind of why I wanted to do a Western month. And the fans, yeah, yeah. And the fans voted, you know, all the Spider fans or uh, all the listeners, they they voted for this month specifically. Yeah. I think I voted for it as well. As I, saw you put it, I was like, damn, do a Western. Do a Western. We've got to do a Western. For God's sake, damn. Well, you're here. You're here for it. Um, <laughs> so let's look that firstly. Um, I'm, I'm with you. I, I don't really like the kind of classic Westerns. Probably except for the high- clean westerns. Yes. Yeah. So the, it's like when it's, when yeah. it's like, oh, the, the, the cowboy rides into town yeah, white and hats, off the black uh, hats. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I was not a fan of that. However, I do like High Noon. The original yeah. High Noon is is good. Well, but yeah, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I mean, there are there are there are a number of like, like films in there. Like I yeah, said, I don't, I don't really like John Wayne's film. Yeah. I mean, to a certain extent, I do appreciate True Grit. I'm not mm. a big fan of it. Yeah. You know, there's a few moments of it where I'm a bit like, eh. yeah. But you know, they're not all bad. There's a couple of John Wayne movies where he is actually a yeah. bad guy in them, and mm. they actually work a lot better than the clean ones. But for me, it's the yeah. it's where the hero rides in, kills all the bad guys, rides off with the woman, and happy days. I I like yeah. a bit of mystery. I like character depth. Mm. 
I like blurring of the lines, and that's what both of these films we're about to talk about do. Absolutely. A lot like High Plains Drift I was discussing last week, um, there is a moral ambiguity. There is yeah. a moral grayness. That's key for me with Western, yeah. because everybody is out for something in the West. You know, That's what we get now. That's what we look back on. The West wasn't a beautiful thing. People were out you know, for their own personal gain. Yeah, okay, there were people that went out, you know, to get, you know, start a new life and whatever, but it was brutal. It was hard. You know, people died en masse. you got to remember the Native Americans were still out there. They were fighting for their land, for mm. their rights. You know, it was a war zone. It was a very literal war zone. I like to see that. I like to see the moral ambiguity, like you said. I like mm. to see, you know, the depth of the environment as mm. much as the characters. I yeah. want to see the struggle. That's what works well for a Western for me. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I spoke a lot about revisionist Westerns in, yeah. in the last podcast. Which is what these are. The, exactly. Both these films are Absolutely. Revisionist. revisionist Westerns. So, yeah, let's get started. We've yes. delayed it long enough. Yes, so we have. Let's talk. But it's all necessary. It is necessary. We need a bit of context. <laughs> Pardon me, but we need a bit of context to kind of... And what purely, we're because, about. purely because the genre is so, that broad. Yes, That's, absolutely. Yeah. That you can tell. And I think it's it's much like it's much like a kind of a Shakespeare play. There's many ways you can approach it. There's many ways you can play with that kind yeah. of genre. It's probably the most fluid genre absolutely. out there, other than science fiction. I think there's a lot of places you can go with a Western where, you know, a lot of conventional stories you couldn't. And I think these... These films absolutely kind of typify that. Two uh, films by the same man, but have totally different aesthetic, you know, look, feel, message. Yeah. They're totally different. And that's kind of, that is due to the talent of Sergio Corbucci. Yeah. And there's um, only two years in between. Yeah. It's madness, really, that and he was, everything he, changed. And he was shooting out Western. Westerns are, were the cheap, easy, quick to make. Yeah. And, you know, they were back to back. And when we say spaghetti Westerns, this is, if you don't know what that is, it's basically Italy's version of the American Western, yeah. their take on the American Wild West. Yeah. Um, so it was all filmed in Italy, dubbed in Italy. All, all the, most of the stars were Italian. Yeah. Cause um, it was the, it was the environment. The environment matches a lot of places in the West, like Utah and Arizona. Mm. The grounds in in and amongst like the you know the hills of Italy, it just it looks yeah. like it's Spot been lifted on. straight out of North America. So that's why I did it because and, and it was cheaper to film as well. Absolutely. But like you were saying about they were just hashing out Western movies left, right, and center. A lot of Western movies were sharing the same environment, the same set, costumes, so the dubbing characters. They were filming so quickly and getting them out literally within a couple of weeks. Mm. They had to do the dubbing after purely because another film had rolled in, so they mm. couldn't do a cut. Oh well refilm that they couldn't do it in a lot of cases yeah they do they do similar things with a, with a lot of the like dario argento movies that yes, they, yeah, they'd be yeah. like building a set in the next room yeah while they're filming like this really intimate scene yeah so your, your audio is just buggered immediately <laughs> it's rubbish and purely because they were just doing it on the fly you know mm. you'd, you'd get audio in the background of people you know shouting and whatever oh. so they literally just yeah just some, it's, it's some italian it's guy swearing in the background yeah yeah which you don't all want. of it it's, it's incredible really i wish it, there was like more sort of like you know, the making of things like lost footage, because yeah. there is a lot of lost footage out there and some mm. of it has been, you know, recaptured and brought back and mm. really is an eye-opener when you get that kind of stuff. But 
I do. It really would intrigue me. If I mean, it's, like, it's, a hey! whole, it's a whole. I mean, even even we're talking like fifty years ago now, but that even back then it was a totally different world. The idea of filmmaking, the way you made films, was totally yeah, yeah. different, completely and bizarre. Kind of like we'd look back on it now. Like I, I always thought it was quite amazing that with um, Into the Spider Verse, mm. they they decided they wanted to animate Peter Porker the Spider Pig in um, hand drawn animation. Yeah, which is brilliant. They've forgotten how to do it. Yeah, nobody knew how to do it anymore. Like that's a dead, no. that's a dead art form. In, so in literally what? Well, you got twenty what, years. Well, yeah, Ten, well, twenty yeah, years. You got like Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin. Yeah. They were hand drawn. Yeah. So in less than twenty years, the art of hand drawn animation has died, and nobody knows how to do it anymore. Madness. So they have Absolute to relearn madness. how to do that. That's that's crazy to me, and it's the same with these yeah. sort of films. Anyway, yes, Django. <laughs> yeah, Django. Yeah, because we were going to start there and then carry on. We did, so, we yeah. did. We, we love, we love a good, we love a good, uh, we love a good tangent here. Yes, we do. At Spider Man, we Secret do, Wars. we do, we do love a good. It's tangent. usually my fault. At no, it isn't. No, it's, it's me too. <laughs> I, I allow you to do this. So, um, Andy, give me roughly as as as, he, as best you can the the plot of Django. Ah, uh, well, it's yeah, it's obviously it's the it's the. It's the same classic sort of like drifter comes into the situation and he he comes across a woman being brutalized by what is looks like a Mexican gang. Yeah, kind of um, like bandits. Yeah, yeah, the banditos, the banditos. classic banditos, and he saves her obviously, and then gets drawn into you know a big sort of gang war, if you like, between two yeah. factions. Yeah. So um, yeah, so one the other faction is led by a, an ex general, ex Confederate general. Yeah, yeah, uh, Which is brilliant. Yeah, great stuff. I've, I'm going to go into the kind of the their outfits and the red bandanas <laughs> and everything later. <laughs> Don't you worry. But uh, but Django is clearly he's wearing a Union. Yes, he is. Yes, he's so wearing kind got... of a a mourning outfit, yeah, like yeah. in mourning. But he's also wearing the trousers of like a, un a Union yeah. soldier. Yeah, so you've clearly got the distinction there between the two characters. Well, all all three. Mm. If you want to say characters, so you got the the confederate army yeah. and then you've got the mexican guy General, yeah. they're essentially they're just three different characters aren't they yeah yeah essentially so what's, what's brilliant about the entrance of Django is that he's he's coming over this hill and it's like it's quite a, a long opening isn't it a long opening shot and he's just dragging a coffin with him and it's brilliant it's absolutely brilliant it doesn't really make any sense of the style You're like who is this man yeah. what is he doing who's in the coffin yeah what is the coffin is he an undertaker exactly yeah what the hell is this but yeah, he just gets dragged into this conflict. But obviously, he's got his own motivations as well, which mm. you know underpins the entire film. I, I also like that at the start, these, these Mexican bandits are attacking this woman. They're they're kind of stringing her up. Are they are they whipping her? I think they're whipping yeah, they string her yeah. up and then they whip her quite and, brutally as yeah. well. It and you're spares, like, there's spares no expense in showing you the markings that she gets, which oh, is yeah. like immediately sets the tone of the story. You're like, wow, this is this Cracking. is a violent film. Um, I quite like that Django's just stood there for a while. Yeah. Like, again, this is the moral ambiguity we're talking about, is that he stands there and has smokes a cigar while he watches. Yeah, he, yeah. He watches all this go on. And then all these gunshots go off. Bam, 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 bam. Really quick gunshots. All the banditos are down. Yeah. And you're like, oh, Django shot them. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's this Absolutely not. It's this other group of soldiers, and they rock up. And you're like, oh, that's cool. There's some like army guys or something nearby. Yeah. So they've saved her. Absolutely not. They start bloody <laughs> torturing her as well. And, and Django's like, still watching. Yeah, it's just like a conveyor belt of misery for this woman, isn't it? It's just it's completely... And he's just stood there the entire time watching everything unfold. 
I can see why immediately it was shocking because it's like, yeah. why is he not doing anything? Why yeah. is this man on He's the, hill the hero doing anything? He's Django. He's supposed to be the hero. Exactly. And, I mean, and even in that time, you know, immediately you, you just see him and think, oh, he must be the hero because yeah. the camera's focused on him the entire time. But uh, okay, yeah. like, like it's it's that's it. It's is where do your hero where do the heroes end? Where do the villains begin? Yeah, that's the kind of the the moral again moral ambiguity. Yeah, of, which is of before, the West is a big thing for me with Western movies. I like to have that sort of that blurring between like you're not sure who you should be rooting for. You know, Django does eventually save her. He does. Uh, he shoots the he shoots the Confederate soldiers or, brilliantly as well. I think I think some of them. I think some of the kind of things I read online. They call this group the Ku Klux Klan, but I don't think they actively no. name themselves no, or they don't, say they, don't. they are the Ku Klux Klan. I, I read that as well. Yeah. I read that as well. But I was I wasn't really convinced no, by that because yeah, they wear red bandanas like face mm. full full head covering, but. There's nothing to suggest in the film that that is the case. Yeah. I mean, they are that. They, I think they're just bandits yes. themselves. Yeah, there's, they're a kind of a, a criminal group. Yeah, I think uh, it is literally just to simply say yeah. that's one group. Yeah, they wear the red bandana. Yeah. The These other group is the Mexican gang, yeah. the Mexican bandits, and they dress this way. Yeah, exactly. This is how, this is how we differentiate yeah. the villains. I think it is just very simply that because there is no, there's nothing in the film. There's no, there's no, there's no moment of racism. Other than, really, other, than, yeah. other than interaction between yeah. the two groups, between the, the the Mexican banditos. I mean, they don't like they don't like each other. Yeah, but I don't but, know if it doesn't de devolve into like slurs no, or anything like no, that. They're like, it's just, literally just it's just we don't yeah, like you. You're the other gang, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So I don't I don't buy into that. I don't I no. don't think that's the case. But you know, it's interpretation. Yeah. Because I mean, because I mean, the film literally doesn't really give you too much. No, really, in that regard, it's pretty, it's pretty bare bones. The yeah. film, it's pretty straightforward, bare bones. Um, it did kind of remind me of like uh, in Batman, they have the the Red Hood gang. Um, yeah. So it kind of reminded me of that because they're all wearing the red hoods, um, a little bit. Um, but there's a fun fact as well about the film that apparently the red bandanas were were the idea behind them was to cover their faces because um all these other westerns were being filmed and all the attractive looking extras yeah, were taken yeah. so these guys were the more unattractive extras you know what i buy that <laughs> and buy that because, because it's going to be clear that the extras who were wearing the bandanas were the extras for the mexican cartel for the other gang, gang yeah well. exactly and some of them gentlemen mm weren't exactly the most attractive. So you got the... No. It's almost a bit homely stereotype, looking. isn't it? Homely looking. Yeah. yeah. Stereotypes of like Mexican bandito character. Yeah. So yeah, I, I can buy that. Completely uh, buy that. And apparently they weren't they weren't very menacing either, apparently. So yeah. that might be why the... Because the Mexicans are mm. the caked in makeup. There's a lot of makeup yeah, yeah, on, there on is them. A so, ton so of time. Yeah. Really like, obvious in this like film as well. Just layers and layers of makeup. Um, to make them... Because obviously they're probably Italian... Stars, yeah. aren't they? So obviously yeah, they've course, done yeah. like, some kind of like mechanics to make them yeah. look more menacing. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, probably give. It, I think they give them like scars and stuff and a few other yeah, things yeah, as yeah. well. I think we see. But yeah, so we got we got Django kind of after that rides into town, uh, and this town is just awful. It's like a ghost town. It's it's either the best or the worst town in the world because yeah. the only thing there is a brothel. <laughs> yeah, you don't, see, you, don't, you don't. I mean, it's it's brilliant. It's typical, sort of like this is my first film that I'm directing. Well, yeah, it, it wasn't, but it's like it's that it's kind low of thing, budget, it? like, very, very low, low budget. budget. So it's like I've got these buildings on this back lot, mm. but 
I've only got enough cast to operate this brothel, so yeah. I'm going to make it look like the town's been deserted, but the brothel's still going. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These two gangs, and that's and that's where the female character. She's kind of she was with one gang, or she was associated with one gang, and then she betrayed yeah. them yeah. with another gang, and that's why the, both the gangs don't kind of take. Yeah, to her. that's why they were both going to destroy her, and that's why Janga rescues her. Blah blah blah. And this this town, I, I can get what I wasn't sure why it was called the Mud or Blood trilogy until I started watching this, and I went, yeah. oh yeah. Because this town is just mud. That's yeah. all this town is. Well, it's that's, mud. That's a, that's a shrewd thing from the director because mm. a lot of the westerns were like, oh, dry. It's all dry. dry. It's all dry. Yeah. You look Sand. At, even if you look at Back to the Future Part Three, yeah, it's dry. The set mm. is dry. But you got to think, horses are going through that place yeah. every moment. They're they're shitting. You know, there's people probably pissing in the streets and yeah. that. There's, there's there's no there's no irrigation if you no. like as well. No, there's no, no, there's right. no no plumbing. So it would make sense that the place would be muddy. Mm. I mean, if you look at Deadwood, for example, this, the TV show Deadwood, that paints it perfectly yeah. as well. The streets are always muddy. You know, there's always churning. You've got the carriages going through, horses yeah. going through. So stuff is being churned at every point. So I think it's a very shrewd sort of like, now this is a realistic interpretation. Yeah. There is mud mm. and there and is again, blood. And again, it's different. Yeah, it's it's something we haven't seen. Yeah, because it's messy. Mm. Immediately, immediately, it sets a tone as well. You go, okay, this isn't this is not your standard affair. Mm. This is your standard because, western. Yeah, this is your granddad's western. Mud. Something so simple makes the difference. Yeah, I have to t- <laughs> have to talk about the. Um, this is what I think you're going to say. The 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 coffin. We've got to talk about oh, it. Jesus the coffin Christ. is is one of the more iconic elements, and the yeah. design of Django and the way he looks is very iconic. You know, he's he's the hero, but he's you know the hero, quote unquote, hero of the film. Mm. But he's dressed totally in black. You know, classically in westerns, the black the people wear black, but yeah. wear the black hats are the villains. Yeah, the man um, in black. Situation. So yeah, exactly. So and he's walking into town. Uh, he's killed these guys. He's he's the general comes and he's like, I need to kill this general because of reasons. Yeah. Um, and then, and then he <laughs> kill, that. Kill, kills all the other guys, and it's a great little shootout because he's like shooting behind his head. Yeah, and and. and <laughs> Really quick, uh, quick draw kind of western, and then he's bringing all the whole army. He's bringing yeah. all the all the red hooded army. He's bringing it down, and he's just behind this log, this little tree. Yeah, this really tiny log <laughs> that holds no positional advantage whatsoever. And you're just like, what the hell are you going to do here? Yeah. Why are you here? Yeah, he's, he's why are you not up in the top of a building or something? Exactly, do something like have some sort of advantage. Getting yeah. like, you know, you're right in a kind of a kill box situation, yeah. kind of there. But the setup is brilliant. <laughs> setup is brilliant because you, you're thinking. All that and you go what the hell is he doing yeah. you see all of the you see like 40 50 men yeah easily riding towards all him. the extras they could afford everybody is coming towards them full pelt and you're like what is he gonna do what could he how could he possibly manage this he's behind this stupid little the stupid little tree branch thing what could he do he's not even sat comfortably behind the tree he's like a little slouch going well i'm gonna die so i may as well enjoy it and he's not well hid either it's no. it's like his head's like <laughs> yeah. breaking out he's literally looking over the top of it sees them all coming and goes oh well i'll just duck a little bit yeah but uh, then they're all like they're all pointing at him from a distance going, yeah. he's there he's there and then, again they're coming on mass they want to get really close and then all of a sudden Jesus coffin Christ. opens and dooka, 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 he's got this huge Gatling gun that you've never seen. Yeah. And just mows everybody down. I mean, literally, it's like the best scene in the entire film. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, as I say that, there's another one later on that we'll talk about, which yeah, is true. really, really funny, which yeah. we've talked about before. But my God, considering that I didn't really know what to expect, I was uh, the whole mystery was like, what the hell is in this car? He's still oh, dragging it out when he gets behind this log. Yeah, he's exactly. dragging it out and you're like... 
Christ, it can't be that important. Oh, but it bloody well is. Yeah. And it's absolutely brilliant. He just <laughs> lifts it up, places it on the log, and... <laughs> and everyone, literally everybody, all the extras get mowed immediately. Yeah. There's no there's no, there's no, no niceties. They're no. all gone. They're all gone. That's it. That's and it. it's fantastic. <laughs> absolutely fantastic. And again, a, a, another very iconic image is him with the, the chain gun yeah. or the Gatling gun. And yeah, just fantastic scene. It's just totally out of nowhere, totally unpredictable. Yeah. And it looks ridiculous as well because it is 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 clearly designed to look like um, sort of like I don't know like because it's not even like yeah. Gatling cannon they had at the time. No. It's it's clearly it's kind of like parts it's a, it's from a an cylinder, energy, yeah, but with like holes in the end. Yeah, it doesn't make any like sense at all holes. because it doesn't it doesn't spin and it's the bull, the bullets are on like a chain. Yeah, so like, they they feed in like they would do for a, what you'd imagine like a German yeah. heavy machine gun from World War Two. So yeah. they, they feed in through that way. Yeah, they come out of all these different holes. So yeah, it's, it's it's utterly ridiculous, but because of how brilliant the scene is, you go, oh, oh well, okay, I'll buy it. I'll yeah. buy it. I'll, I'll forgive I'll that. I'll buy it. I bought it. I did buy it. <laughs> I did buy it. I paid I a dollar. <laughs> um, but yeah, the 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 general gets away, uh, and yeah. it, and we re- it's revealed that he actually killed Django's uh, love interest. Um, yes. in the film and that's what the song is all about Django yeah. lost his love or however it goes which is a ridiculous song in itself yeah well, Tarantino, for, for, Tarantino kept it for his he did yeah it was remake which isn't a remake no it's, sorry, it's more it's a, its own story isn't reimagining. it reimagining yeah um, it's a ridiculous song for a ridiculous western yeah. but it fits it, it does it, fits it really fits weirdly. it really um, really fits but um, I, I I quite enjoyed it like it's it's pretty by the numbers as a west as, as a west as I conceive of them. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd agree because it does follow a very simple trajectory. Gets a bit convoluted in the middle when he decides to join somebody to do a bank robbery. Yeah, or so, to do so a he, mass robbery, and then it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, so he's killed off the Red Hood gang, we'll call them, and the bandits come, and it turns out he was in prison with one of the, yeah, the leader yeah. of the bandits. You know, let's let's go rob this place. Yeah, but again, it's it's part of his plan, isn't it, to try yeah. and you know set them all up and it, exactly. it 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 does work but it is it's, it feels a bit out of place it's like mm. oh i feel like the massacre should have happened maybe towards the end of the film or yeah. I, I don't really know because it's it's difficult to judge yeah i i, I think goes. there's basically there's like it becomes this heist for gold with the with the mexican bandits teaming up with django and um, i felt that should have been at the start yeah, because then we come back to the general who survived the Gatling gun bit because he said, oh, "I want to keep him alive for reasons." Yeah, he's like, he's like, you can be be useful, but he's not useful. It, it never becomes useful. No, it doesn't make any sense. Really, yeah. it's kind of like they just forgot what they were doing at some point with the script yeah. or whatever. But who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Who knows what they thought? Um, but but it, yeah, it's, it's the bit. It's the bit that I we talked about. That <laughs> we, we both love after the after the robbery's taken place and um, Django's. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what he's doing. But yeah. then he he takes the coffin outside, doesn't he? Does he, it, yeah, he, he, says, he says he wants to leave because he wants yeah, to take yeah. his cut. And they say, no, no, we're just going to leave it there. Yeah, yeah. Pours it in this like abandoned barn a house or something. Yeah. Uh, Django then gets a prostitute to strip off. Yeah, and he says, just keep doing that yeah. while I disappear. And don't worry about it. Just, you just keep going. You just, <laughs> just keep doing keep it. Slowly taking your clothes off. You've got these leering Mexican guys like, yeah, yeah the banditos like, oh, she's playing. Again, it's a horible stereotype yeah, what they're doing. Absolutely. Which is, absolutely you know, horrible stereotype. But Django then sneaks in. All the while, he's carrying his coffin. Yeah. <laughs> 
There's yeah. no mystery what's yeah. inside the coffin anymore. It can just yeah, we know. Just carry the the, the, the Gatling cannon. Yeah, I'd never thought of that. He could just, he could carry, just carry the, the Gatling cannon, but he decides to carry this big hulking coffin. Yeah, I mean to be fair, it does it does play out why he takes yeah, the coffin with him. Yeah, yeah, true. But still, you're like, why? At the yeah. time, you're like, why are you carrying the coffin? Really you know, everybody knows. Don't worry, it, is. It, it gets it gets weirder than that. Like yeah. that that is is weird he, point number one. He carries it outside the brothel across mm. the rooftops as slowly and as quietly as possible. It's about a ten minute scene where he's just slowly dragging yeah, his coffin, and he's like, he's checking if anyone can hear him, yeah. and all this sort of stuff. And this this pro- poor prostitute is still taking clothes off horrifically yeah. slowly. Yeah. Climbs down a chimney with the coffin, blows the coffin down, yeah. climbs down. Then he gets, he finds the gold, takes the Gatling gun out, sets the Gatling gun up, t- gets a bit of rope, ties it to a, a, a stick, a stick of dynamite. Yeah. <laughs> and so he's he's put the gold in the coffin. Yeah. He then lights the dynamite, which is attached to to the Gatling gun. Yeah. Which then blows a hole in the wall, so he can get out. So yeah. he can get out. Sets off the Gatling gun and then it starts shooting the door. All the banditos are made aware of this by the noise. Run up as as the door is turning to splinters, they run into the door and get shot. Then several other people run at them, going, <laughs> What's happening? Also get shot while this door is becoming splinters. Oh and that God. happens for like I don't know how many men get killed. I think by I just counted. running into the I same door. I was trying to count. I think I got to about 15, 16. 15. Yeah. And they all just literally run sequent in a line as well. So they all get killed. They all get mowed down in a line, conveniently <laughs> enough, as they're heading towards the door. Before somebody goes, "Oh, what is he doing? Yeah. <laughs> Let's jungle. walk around the bullets." Um, well, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's so ridiculous. It, it would have made more sense if it was on a timer. Yeah. And he purposely blows the wall out so when they're coming, yeah. then and then, and then goes they go after yeah, six. So off. he sets them up. But it's the fact that the gun's going off first, and they all go, "Oh, what's that noise?" And ridiculous. Quite literally walk into the line of fire through the door you're like what are you doing but it's just a marker of the film yeah it's that ridiculous but it it works it's really really funny you can kind of see the flavour in a lot of this flavour within the Tarantino's own movies yeah Um, definitely there's even a sequence where um, an informant of the um, of the Red Hood gang gets his ear cut off yeah, quite, quite brutally, he gets his ear cut off, like, and and they try to make him eat it. Yeah, which is going further than Tarantino ever went. Yeah, um, and but that is it. That is a clear chuffing influence, right oh, absolutely. there. When I absolutely. when when I saw that moment, I went, "That's where he's got it from." Reservoir he's Dogs got it from yeah, there. That's exactly right. Um, the only thing the only thing I didn't like is is that when he gets shot. Um, he's covering his ear, and then he gets shot, and then he, yeah. then he <laughs> uncovers his it. ear. You see his ear; he's still there, and then he falls and dies. I was just like, Brilliant. just at least cover it up or fall on your hand or something. Yeah. I was just like, it's clearly still there. <laughs> what, what I love about what about love about these two films? What what really tickles me is when people get shot. It's the old it's the old fashioned yeah. way of people getting shot. I mean, films nowadays tend to have it where they just flop yeah. the dead immediately, like squibs, the, yeah. squibs and stuff coming. Yeah. yeah, but these films, they do like all this pirouette dancing don't they with like they're yeah. getting shot and they're like really melodramatic it's like ballet or something and when when this guy who's like like you said with the ear thing you know a simple thing would have yeah. been to like if he just if he falls down he's yeah. dead you know still cover your ear or even makeup yeah. no he does a whole like 360 turn I've been shot and then he gets shot again yeah. and he spins and he trembles and he falls and it's drama school day one yeah I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's brilliant 
But again, that's it's the old style of film, isn't it? Yeah, it's the classic one, and I think yeah. you've got to you've got to bear that in mind when watching like old films. Yeah. Is that the way that it was? It used to be a lot more theatrical, a lot less kind yeah. of photorealistic and and Definitely. realistic acting and subtle. And acting. It's part of the charm of westerns when you see somebody get shot off a rooftop and they go ah, flail their arms, then fall through a catwalk or something <laughs> straight into a well, barrel that then blows oh. up. That that's, that's the quintessential thing of a western. I tell you what, a great example of that in the film is when the the general is so evil he's just shooting random bandits letting them yeah. run and shoot he lets one get to the top of this massive oh, god and I forgot shoot, about that. And shoots him and he tumbles down for about five minutes literally, literally <laughs> that whole sequence like you see three people get shot you know he lets them run about 20 yards yeah. and he shoots them and this one guy goes yeah okay let him go and he just runs and the camera tracks him yeah the entire way. It's a really long shot. And then it goes up the hill. It's like a, a quite a steep hill as well. So he gets all the way up this steep hill, continuously tracking him. <laughs> and then he gets shot and then rolls down. It must it must have been about a minute and a half of this poor Ideally. this poor extra. <laughs> the director's clearly gone. Running up. Just go and run up that hill. And he goes, Yeah, okay, sure. And then when when you hear a smack, yeah. that's when the one you to but roll you all the way yeah. down. Let you want down. me to run all, fall all the way down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the way down. All the way down. All the way down. And you there. see him literally cartwheel ding, all the way ding, down this ding, hill. Ding, ding, all the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, it oh. was. Oh, it was. It was funny. Um, did you know actually? This the obviously Tarantino. We said didn't remake this. Yeah. But um, do you, are you familiar with uh, Takashi Miike, the director? Japanese oh. director. Uh, I did. Might be a did audition. Film. Audition. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Itchy the killer. Yes, of course. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I do. Yeah. He actually remade it um, as Sukiyaki Western Django in Japan, which had a cameo by Tarantino. Bloody hell. Yeah. So, how so long ago was that? Uh, oh, a few years ago now. I think. Was it two... before Django Unchained? Not sure. I'd, I'd need to check. No, I'm mm. not sure. I can't yeah, say. No, I can't no, say no. either way. But, but um, I think clearly, like this film is is a huge influence on filmmakers and film in definitely, general. Definitely, definitely. And even the ending, we're, we're heading towards the ending, mm, aren't yeah, we? So absolutely. Even the ending is set up, and it has so many influences on other films, just purely because of the way it's set up. Absolutely. The, the hero Django, he's he get he gets hor- horrifically maimed, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, he does. Yeah, so he gets both. Um, so he's he's got the him and the the uh, the prostitute that he saved in the start of the film uh, journey off uh, with the gold yeah. in, in the in the coffin, um, and they get to a rickety bridge and accidentally Which you see at the start of the film, don't you? Yeah. Just just where she's been attacked and strung up with. They drop the gold directly into quicksand. Yeah, um, I, I I thought it was a set off. I thought it was a ploy. Yeah, but it's like literally, it's like it, it adds it, rifle tragedy, goes it? rifle goes off, yeah. scares the horse, coffin goes in the yeah. quicksand, and then she gets shot and killed. And yeah. it's like, oh god, this is no, no, she's not killed. Actually, she survives. Oh, she does. She yeah. survive. Beg your pardon, but it looks like she's been killed. That's right. Plays that she has been killed. Mm. And I wonder if they did change that. At the yeah, end. it couldn't. It could because have been, it yeah. was horrifically dark. It was because because she's trying to save Django, yeah. and then saves Django only because if you herself. see the shot, there's a shot when when she gets hit. She kind of rolls. She rolls over and she yeah. plays it completely dead. There is a shot when she's lying flat back on the bridge, and you can see there's blood all ah. down, all the way down. So I wondered if they did change it mm. to make it go. So it's a le- oh, it's slightly a less bit, bleak ending. Yeah, it's a little bit too dark. Maybe, maybe. I wonder if they did that. Possibly, possibly. Um, but yeah, so so Django comes out, and the banditos are annoyed that they've robbed. He's robbed from them. <laughs> 
of course, and even though they've got thousands yeah. of tons of golden yeah. shells, they're like, ah, it's fine. <laughs> we don't need that. Because that's because there's this big heist in the middle of the film, which is great and a yeah. really good set piece. I was thinking like the, the movie is almost like three different set pieces, kind of It is, yeah. It's almost three different movies in itself. Yeah, in a way. Well. Like little little uh, vignettes almost yeah, yeah. Um, that are just tied together very loosely. But yeah, so they, they, they smash his hands with a rifle, they smash both of his hands, ruin his hands because yeah. he's the master gunfighter. So what are you gonna yeah. do? You're gonna take away his hands. It's the most brutal part of the film as well, because oh, you, you see it entirely as well. Oh yeah. Every every yeah. every kind of smash into his hands is awful. And it, it proper red raw and horrible. And he's still again, he's still being quote unquote the hero of the film, like doing the right thing or trying to do the right thing. Yeah. And he's like, I've still got to kill the general because he killed the love of my life. Yeah. Um and they're like, Your hands are broken. He was like, I'll try, you know. Yeah. And um, and then we get the we go all the way to this amazing graveyard scene. Yeah, I mean, the, the set is beautiful. Oh, it's gorgeous. It's a really, really amazing looking set. And the entire setup for that scene is brilliant as well because you see him prostrates himself up against um, a gravestone, doesn't he? Yeah, that's right. And it, again, it's one of those, it's, like we said about the guy climbing the hill who rolls down, yeah. it's a long shot of him literally trying to position this one revolver yeah. on a gravestone. And it's, it's, it's aching. When I was watching that, I thought, oh, come on, you can do it, you can yeah. do it. It, it. It gives you that feeling, like, you know, the the feeling you get yeah. in your stomach, you're like, be careful, don't nudge it, don't nudge yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And he does nudge it, yeah. and you go, oh, you dropped it. Fucking yeah, hell. Yeah. Drops it, tries it again. Because he's constantly looking up as well. It's what was brilliant about the actor who mm. plays Django, Franco Nero. Yeah. He has these, it was a, his breakout performance yeah, as well. Yeah, breakout role. He yeah. has these little moments where, where, where he's trying to position the revolver and he's looking off into the distance. So yeah. he knows his, his time is limited. He knows they're literally going to be there any moment. It's great that the actor, Franco Nero, has that. You know, he, he he's playing with that for himself, you know, like, I've just knocked the gun over and you see him look off into the distance and go, if they come over now, yeah. I'm dead. Yeah, I'm exactly. dead. So he literally wraps his like elbow around to try and push it back up. And it's just, it's, it's a painful scene because yeah. you're like, how are you going to get out of this? Yeah. How are you going to survive? Yeah. And that's, and all the yeah. characters are asking him that all the way through. They're like, yeah. how are you going to manage this? And this is like, this is the part of the film where he's like, he doesn't have a plan. He doesn't yeah. have a back. It literally is just. It is him. Yeah. It's the showdown. It's the quick draw. Yeah. It's the Mexican standoff. Yeah. That is it, and and he's got two broken hands. Yeah, and the brilliant thing is because he obviously can't get his fingers into the gun. Yeah, into where the where the um trigger the trigger yeah. is. So you see him trying to chew off like the 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 the, the covering. Yeah, kind of what you yeah, call yeah. that a covering. The kind of the ring. Yeah, yeah, the ring that goes over the trigger. You yeah. see him trying to chew it off and pull it, pulling it off. Yeah, using basically. Boys. Clearly, they put some like massive gloves on him and said, "You, you yeah. try and do it with this. Yeah. You know, try and do it." And he manages to do it. So there's literally just the trigger, a bare exposed trigger. Mm. But the payoff is brilliant. Oh, it gives you, it's so, so like, so, so tension filled. Mm. But the payoff for the scene when the general arrives is just yeah. absolutely brilliant. So we get the, the general arrives and it's just like the six guys, yeah. uh, including the general. And you're like, no way. There's no way this is going to happen. Yeah. And the general starts playing with him and shooting him. And he's like, I'm going to count down the moments you have left. Or, yeah. Or the minute you're, the seconds you'll be alive. Yeah. You know, you know classic hero play. He lets him talk the talk and then. Exactly. And then all of a sudden he, he's like, oh, okay, count these. And he gets the gun on the, on the side and then he just slams the hammer down six yeah. times. Kills everyone. Brilliant. Fantastic. Everyone, everyone collapses exactly the same time yeah. as well boom doo, 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 doo. just like yeah 
pure symmetry. But it's, it's the imagery that follows that as well. So they're all dead mm. and Django gets up and he leaves the gun resting on the gravestone. Yes, yeah. And it's just caked in blood and un- directly underneath where the gun was that he had it resting is just caked in blood as well. So his hands yeah. literally falling apart after he's hammered back the hammer and the yeah. and the trigger. It's just like and it's just caked in blood, yeah. and the camera just stays behind the behind the gun, the gravestone, as he yeah. walks over the hill, and he doesn't really look at the bodies either. He just carries no. on going into the into the sunset, yeah. as it were. It's a really again, it's like the the, the camera doesn't move. It's just yeah, it just right stays solid there. And he just he's just like right at the top of the screen, yeah. the tip top of the screen of the frame, and he just looks back and yeah. And then and then walks off. Yeah, and again, it's it's a long shot. It's mm. literally one that lasts for about two minutes. I think <laughs> I read that one of the shots they asked like they were like just keep going and going and going yeah. as far as you can, uh, Franco, and we'll just get this really long shot. Okay. Yeah. Um, and he kept going, and he got to the top of this like hill or whatever. He turned around, all the <laughs> the whole film crew had left. <laughs> They'd already filmed it, Brilliant. and they just left him, Franco, here up there, like. That, that must have been for the opening montage. Yeah, I The think opening so. montage is him literally just climbing over these hills mm. and things with this coffin. And I could just imagine him going, should I look back and have a look? <laughs> no, I'll keep going for a little bit. And then turning around, literally nobody there. So it's like into the uh, the River Styx, the Gates of Hades. Don't look back. <laughs> Don't look back. Um, but yeah, I, th- I really enjoy this film. Again, it's very it's a fairly straightforward, bombastic, yeah, violent. Bombastic Western. is the key word. Yeah, bombastic, very bombastic. And it's got all that Italian kind of, uh, you know, yeah, kind yeah. of like that, pa- that passionate, you know, eye and flavor to it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I love it. Um, the, Jack- only, the only thing that lets it down for me mm. is the dubbing. Oh, I, I oh, wish God, yeah. I could have watched this film in the original language with subtitles. Jesus. Because uh, obviously we're going to talk about The Great Silence. The yeah, Great Silence right. is in the original language right. with Italian dubbing, obviously, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. but subtitles. Yeah, yeah. And it works. It, it works better. It, absolutely. It feels more... Absolutely. More like more genuine, I yeah. Think. More yeah, yeah. genuine. It, it, it feels it, it's not a very good dub either. Like I no, think it, if it was a better dub, I recognise the guy who did the voice. Yeah. for Django, I recognise that voice. I Did, can't. It didn't really fit Django for no, me. No, it didn't. It didn't because that, that was off-putting for me. Yeah, he's a very I mean, Franco Nero. I've heard him in other films since. I mean, yeah, he pops up in he he's pops a, up in Django and Jane. Frank Franco Nero. I have to say is a is a sexy man as well. Yeah, like, he's, he's a, but he's, he's got a, a deep, he's guy. got a very deep gruff voice. Yeah, he's he's in yeah he's in Django. Yeah. Chain, doesn't he? So it's so. like, ah, uh, you needed to find somebody who matched it. But obviously, these yeah. films are so fast and turned around so quickly. In yeah. case of, yeah, get whatever. You do get whatever. It. You do it. You know, yeah. uh, someone was telling me that like the Godzilla films, the dubs for them often didn't have a script. So no, they, yeah, so they, they would just, just make, make it up. Yeah. They would just make the dub up. They're like, this is space titanium and yeah. shit like that. And you're like, yeah. okay. But sure. again, it's endearing for, mm. for those films because mm. it is literally. You know, crafted with that in mind is mm. like, well, you know, just just do it exactly. Just kind of crack on with it. In some cases, it does work mm. for Django. Mm. The dubbing. I mean, there's like they, they, the saloon owner. I thought his dubbing was okay. Yeah, his was his was um, better than most. You know, he he is on the end of a horrifying ending, isn't he? He he's like you know trying to protect the. Um, the, the brothel and the yeah, prostitutes. Protect the yeah. brothel and the woman. He says, well, Django wants to meet you in this field and, and he gets blown away completely. And he, yeah. You're like, fucking hell, this yeah. is how dark and bleak the film is. Mm. You know, he's saying he's, he not, he, he's not here. He's I, a I simple, don't, I don't care. Business, yeah. businessman just yeah. trying to do his job, trying to help when he can. Yeah. 
and he just gets completely blown away and it's like oh, yeah. oh man it's terrific there's a there's a similar character in uh in the great silence we're going to talk about yeah um but yeah it's oh it's just just quality quality stuff um there were this film was so popular in italy that yes. almost every film that franco nero did and several other films were named Django. Like yes. they had Django in the title. Yeah. Apparently, there's 30 unofficial sequels to Django. Mm-hmm. One official sequel where Franco Nero comes back and Sergio Corbucci produces. Yeah. Um, and that's 1987's Django Strikes Again. Yeah. Um, uh, so I've 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 not seen that either. No, I've not um, either, to be I might might visit it maybe someday. Um, yeah. I mean. The thing with all these sequels is they were literally riding on the hype, riding on the bandwagon of Django. So they literally they have no connection no. whatsoever. The different they don't, characters. They don't even feature like yeah. Django. In in some cases, they're literally called Django, but there's nobody called Django in the film. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like ah, you. That was that is that is Italian filmmaking yeah. a lot of the time. You, you'll but see a lot of that. They were literally riding on the bandwagon mm. because it was such a successful film, even though it was hyper violent. People. Yeah. Were, horrified by the violence oh absolutely it was massively successful and there you go um but yeah i i, I really enjoyed it i thought it was a good it's a good solid spaghetti westerns yeah. it does everything i want with a spaghetti western um so yeah i think uh it was a it was a strong entry and i can see why tarantino loves it as much oh yeah as he de- does. definitely definitely i mean you can see the influences right the way through with django unchained you know even yeah. in the smallest moments like the way people get killed in django unchained mm. is very much as dramatic and you know mm. <laughs> ridiculous is very yeah very blatant very violent yeah over the top ridiculousness um even like even like um like DiCaprio's performance is very much oh yeah like yeah. hyper hyper realism yeah. that hyper over the top yeah you know and that's but that's exactly the right kind of performance for that film yeah and and is needed but maybe and that's what you get in this film as well yeah, you get, you I was, get hyper realistic i was just thinking that the idea that they're the Ku Klux clan maybe that actually comes after people have seen django and chain they go oh these guys are the Klux. yeah clan. probably Maybe they're, they're trying to connect them, that kind of racism. I think there's, there's several jokes in Django Unchained about, you know, the hoods where they're saying, I can't see yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, all that sort of stuff. That's kind of what happened in this one as well. I read a thing basically saying, because the red, red hoods, I mean, if you watch it, yeah, yeah. you can see, like, they can't see anything through Probably these hoods. Shit. So that's clearly an inside joke mm. from this Django 1966 yeah. to Django Unchained, where literally the characters are going, I can't see shit through yeah. this hood, you know? Yeah, exactly. Because quite literally, you can see... The guys in these red hoods in Django can't see shit. Mm. <laughs> and they're just marching in the marching in a row and then they get told to fall down. I think you can see them like adjusting the masks yeah. as well. I mean, there's one guy, there's one guy, <laughs> he's walking through and his head he's like literally tilting his head up. So he's looking to the sky just yeah. so he can look down the ground and you can see him. He's like holding this massive revolver, this massive rifle. And he can't see where he's going. In this muddy plane, he can't see anything. God, it's the brilliant. Mud, the mud. Well, uh, yeah, I think I think we've covered covered Django, so I think we should move on. Ever I agree, ever so slightly. So, let's talk about the following film, The Great Silence. Uh, what do you have to say about this one? I absolutely loved this film. Of the two, I think obviously Django was the first film. Mm. Uh, this it's not a sequel. It's mm. not a sequel. There's no connections whatsoever, nope. other than the director. Yeah. Um, but I absolutely love this film. Fra- Franco Nero was definitely supposed to be 
the character Silence. Yes. But he wasn't, so, wasn't yeah. available. He was doing yeah. something else. I think he was doing Camelot, I think. Yes, he was. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I checked out his IMDb yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah, he was definitely... Uh, you can see the character was made for him. Mm. Silence, Silence is. Yeah, yeah. There's literally no... There's no vocals from him yeah. at all. No, no. Um, but this film, I think, this is the epitome of the revisionist Western... It is absolutely fucking bleak. Yeah. Completely bleak. I did not expect it to be as dark as it is. Neither and did I, I. I. I'm a very dark person. I, li- <laughs> I like... I, li- I like films where... I have the blackest of hearts. I like... I like. I really like films where, you know, they subvert your expectations in the right way, where things don't, you know, go as you're thinking they're going to go. And this film, I thought, okay, everything's going to be fine. Here's the hero... I was a victim of, you know, my own assumptions about yeah. a Western. Yeah. Even though I try not to have those expectations. Yeah. And very literally, this film f- completely subverted everything Absolutely. in the right way. A lot of people talk about subverting expectations in a negative way because of what happened yeah. with sort of like The Last Jedi and yeah, things yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, but this film, The Great Silence, is the perfect example of how to do subversion perfectly because... Oh, forgive my language, but Do fucking it. hell, it is <laughs> fucking bleak. It is bleak. It is bleak to the point where I finished it and I messaged you and yeah. I was like, fuck my ass. <laughs> that is horrifyingly bleak. It is. Uh, but it it's is brilliant. So it's absolutely brilliant. No, it's, it's, done, because, it's done in the best possible way. Yeah, purely because it has that ambiguity. And that's the key word, I think, for this podcast. Mm. You've said it, I've said it. It's the ambiguity of the characters, the moral ambiguity. Who's right? Who's wrong? Who is the villain? Who's the hero? In The Great Silence, it blurs that line, pure white, because it's set in snow. Absolutely. So literally, you cannot see the line because there is no line, because the film is set in the snowy mountains. And I think that is the genius of Sergio Colbucci. He literally set it in the mountains, you know, something that was so rare in a Western film where you can't see anything because you're blinded by white. Yeah. You know, you're blinded by, you're snow blind yeah. at every yeah. turn. And that is brilliant. And, and snow, yeah, snow blind moral wise, they yeah. can't tell the difference between exactly. right and wrong. You, exactly. you as the audience can't tell the difference between right and wrong, but neither can these characters. Exactly. They are just doing what they can, what they think is right, yeah. what they, what they believe to be the right thing for them, given that situation. Yeah. But is it, is it truly, is it truly the best kind of thing? Yeah. Um, it's so, like you said, it's, it's the bleak, stark whiteness of the setting. Yeah. Which is just reflected in the characters. It's cold and unforgiving, like the characters in this yeah, movie. Yeah, definitely. They, you know, there is, there are light moments. There is, there is, uh, friendships made. There are, you know, there's a love yeah, scene. Yeah, definitely. Um, but the, these are like tiny little, you know, specks in the bleak, yeah. you know, all-consuming cold well, as he, that as he, yeah, film yeah. has. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned, like, the tiny little moments of, you know, joy and whatever, yeah. but they're completely eradicated by the sheer brutality of, you know, the world that they inhabit. Mm. And that, 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 to me, is, like, one of the quintessential things about the West because the West wasn't a good place. It was, <laughs> it was harsh. It yeah. was really, really harsh. It was a harsh environment to live in. You were basically picking up your life if you were moving out West hmm. and restarting. You could be anywhere. You could accidentally set up in, in, in you know, native territory yeah, yeah. and you would die. Yeah. You would literally be killed. Hmm. Or if you got that far, you know, great. 
But if you didn't get that far, you were killed by the elements. Yeah. And that's the thing with this film, with the Grey Silence. You know, the elements, the howling wind, the cold. One of the opening scenes you see is a horse dying, yeah. you know, in the snow. Yeah. That is it. That's that's the harshness of the West, you know, in in the mountains. You can't, you literally can't depend on anybody but yeah, yourself. Exactly. You can't yeah. even depend on nature because nature will kill you. It will you can't, destroy you. I mean, you can't even depend on a gun. It's that yeah. cold that the guns don't and work. You and see, you see that in the film as well. Yeah. You see that in the film. And that, that's why I think this film is absolute genius. This is, for me, The Great Silence, you know, even if I have seen it when I was yeah. younger, which I'm not entirely sure of, but yeah. I think I have. Yeah. Great Silence for me, having seen it only three days ago, yeah. is now one of my favourite Westerns. Because, because of how absolutely brilliant and dark it is, yeah. how bleak it is, because it... It tears down the rule book for a Western Absolutely. in 1968 when Westerns are still, you know, they're, they're entering that dark phase. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Bad, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, Once Upon a Time in the West and all that. They're entering that dark phase, which would lead to, you know, yeah. further down the line with yeah, the yeah, humour and all yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. The more modern ones. You know, yeah. Tombstone as well coming into the 90s. You know, they set the tone. That's, you know, it's everything for me, that. Yeah. I, I I couldn't agree with you more. This is now one of my favourite Westerns. The current rating on Rotten Tomatoes for this film is 100%. Yeah. Admittedly, there's only seven reviewers, but yeah. seven reviewers matter because they've looked at it, Yeah, you know, in our, in our like, they, they could have watched it as, yeah. as soon, you know, as recently as us to be fair yeah. it's only 2018 become... i think 2018 yeah. um 2017 there was a yeah there was a major release for um the great science and cinemas yeah the first time in 50 plus years yeah. that that's happened the the we'll we'll get into the kind of the ending and and stuff yeah, later yeah. on we've not even really started no, even we discussing we're just, this we're just, really. we're just gushing about the brilliant yeah, film it's just which it's, it's it's superb yeah absolutely I'm not superb. even guilty about taking up your that, airtime talking no, about because do that. because it is that it is that fucking it is, good it is that it really good. is that fucking i would good. i would recommend anybody that likes westerns even if you don't like westerns i still watch this yeah 100 percent. regardless fight fight through fight through the choppy yeah choppy dialogue the yeah. you know the 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 duff dubbing fight mm. through it all just fight through it just just do it because it's worth it enjoy enjoy like the visuals the visuals you know we're talking about like the connection between the hateful eight yeah the snow that is where Tarant tarantino's got his his reference point yes for the hateful eight the bleakness you know everybody's an arsehole everyone's yeah. a villain he's got that from this film they're all the great they're, they are the hateful eight because yeah. they they just it is just pure hate yeah it's unabashed hate yeah. for each other and, for, and again you don't know who to root for yeah and which is just like this film and even the the uh the carriage the carriage ride that um kurt russell and i think samuel jackson oh it takes about 45 minutes yeah. so what like just fucking there's, brilliant there's 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 one of those in this yeah nowhere near as long but the but the intensity and, yeah. the, and the tension is the same yeah 100 percent. it's absolutely the same and and it's it's just so so good and i'm glad that he took as much kind of like yeah. reverence for this film yeah and it's and not it's not just it's not just this this simple sort of like connection between like the way the characters interact with it. it's literally the environment the environment the setting is a character in itself absolutely because you know you know that people will die of exposure in the yeah. snow. So the, the, both films, the, the Great Silence plays up to it brilliantly, majestically, yeah. hmm. because literally you do see a horse succumb yeah. to exposure yeah. literally 10 minutes into the film. When, when, it, when, what, what, what other Westerns do you see that? Just like a horse yeah. dying a natural death? Yeah. I mean, because a lot of time the, the horses are the first things to get shot. 
Yes. And then, then they have a standoff and things like that. But here, it's, there's no connection to anything. The guy is just literally going to rat on yeah. silence himself being, yeah. you know, he's coming. So the guy's coming. Yeah. You know, he's just doing that. And the horse dies halfway there. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's really, really harsh film. But it's, it's fucking brilliant. It is, I, it's good. If you can get it, just just get it. If you find, see, if find somebody, a way. If the when the car boot sales reopen and everything, yeah. if you see it, just sat there, DVD of the Great Silence, yeah. pick it up, just buy it. Yeah, just fucking because buy it. I'm I'm pretty sure there may have been a, a UK DVD release, but I think there was, but it's out of yeah, print. It must be out of print by now. But um, like we said at the start, I'm pretty sure they're doing a 4K remaster of it. I hope and so. Hopefully, really it gets so. released because I will buy it immediately. Because yeah. this is a this is a beautiful film. Like that's the that's the the haunting thing about this film. As bleak as it is, it is beautiful. Yeah, beautifully shot. Uh, beautifully shot. These wide open vistas. These kind of Colorado, Utah mountains. Yeah, where, yeah. wherever they are in the in the in the. Pretty film. sure they say Utah. In yeah. at one point. So I think it is like Utah Peninsula or something like that. Like peninsula and it, and mountains. Rather. And it's great to see like the the way they dress is uh, even the costuming is is unlike any western you've ever seen yeah the scarves the scarves uh, yeah. over the over their heads with the hats on um there's a com- there's a comment i think about loka the villain um why does he wear these women's furs and stuff um i don't know but i like it it's a great yeah. look for the character it's a unique yeah. look for the character well i think that's just it it's just born out of necessity isn't it yeah. so Literally, the the characters, you know, the way they're dressed and whatever, it's literally it's survival. Yeah. It's survival in the, the you know they're not they're not too bothered about getting killed in the shootout. No, so much as they are dying in the middle of the snow. Mm. You know, you know, That's in it. a horrific way. Yeah, and that but it's awful. Like, awful like you were saying, it's, it's beautifully shot and the music oh, in this film. Yes. Is by Ennio Morricone, yeah. who has recently just, just this, away. this week at time recording, he's passed away, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yes. But it's just... brilliant. The music is everything. Mm. I, like obviously, we'll talk a bit more yeah, about yeah. Morricone, but yeah. the music, is, the music is a character. The yeah. score is a character, and it, and it's not unlike any Western score you've ever heard. No, like and I, I love Morricone's oh, score for. So good. Obviously, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, I love his score more so for Once Upon a Time in the West. And I was like. Again, I assumed I was like, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I know what's going to come I, here. Yeah, exactly. But no, the score is haunting, haunting, and terrifying as well. Yeah, it's really terrifying. And it's, it's there's this there's these moments where it's like, and it's 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 subtle as well. It's not it's not this. Oh, it's not grandiose. No, no, not it's at not. All. It's not bombastic or over the top or what you would expect from like a western. Yeah, it is this subtle kind of underpinning of of the whole allegory of this film yeah. and the the ideas and the themes behind this film. But then when it does ramp up, it doesn't ramp up in the way you think. It, no, it uses it's a lot of re- like, uses like reverberations. Yeah. So it's like like hearing, yeah, and then you hear it going, and you're like, what's that noise? What is that noise? How are you doing that? But it works because the environment, it's almost like the the, the, mood, the score is sort of like reflective of people, you know, struggling to get through things. It's, yeah. it's hard to describe because... It is hard to, it it's is, hard to pin down what, what's yeah, so great about it. Again, it's like, because you can talk about scores for like, obviously, Batman and things like that, for Star Wars, you yeah. know what they mean, what they symbolize. With this score, 
because of what it does and how it changes the feel. You know what it is? It's really hard to sort of pin down exactly yeah. what it's trying to make you think. And I think I think what it is, I think the idea is, I think that we can't pin it down is because it's reflecting, again, that ambiguity we're talking about. Yeah. And we don't know, we don't know if this, this character, we should be like, it should be a yeah. big, like, a big fanfare. Well, yeah, that's a good point because there's no theme for any specific character. No. So, like, the score that I really love in Once Upon a Time in the West has, you know, specific themes for the characters. So you've got the man with the harmonica, which is... Mm. And then you've yeah. got, you know, the the big spectacle, you know, the the West itself has a theme. Mm. Um, one of the characters, I can't remember his name, which is horrific. You know, his theme is... Boom, 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 yeah. Boom, oh, boom, yeah, 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 yeah. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, no, in the great yeah. silence, there's nothing. No. In fact... The only thing you could say that has a theme is the environment itself. Yeah. It's literally like the course of the film is if you don't if you don't kill each other, I'll kill you. Yeah, that's what the environment's exactly. saying. I think that's the brilliant thing about the film. It's and the a, score. It's, it's Morricone kind of... saw that he went. I'm not yeah. going to do a theme about the characters. I'm going to no. do a theme about their surroundings yeah. and how if they get stuck out there because there are a few moments when the characters get stuck yeah. out there, and that's when you start hearing the. Yeah, that's ding, ding. It. it's like that's oh fucking yeah. hell! It's a countdown. Yeah, there we go. You better get out of there because yeah. if you count down, you're gonna die. You're gonna die of exposure. Oh yeah. god! I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. I yeah, might be, I might be completely off. I, that. It, well, I mean, well, I mean, well, unless unless we can find like an interview, what he said about it, yeah. or or how he how he composed it, or someone I mean, who knew him. Um, you know, he's I mean, not God, is there anybody listening that knows? For God's yeah. sake. You know, get in contact. Tell us if you know why and yeah. how he composed this, the reasons behind it. Because this easily, easily is one of his best scores. Yeah, easily, easily, and it's, it's, it's probably and one of his most important as well. Against all of his classics, you know, he, he even did work on the thing, didn't he? John Carpenter's the thing. Yes, he did. Um, not not all of it, because obviously Carpenter had a. He, he's yeah. quite mus musical himself, but he had the more like the you know the yeah. Oh, maybe. the string, the string kind of things. Yeah. Kind of do you do. think? You think maybe Carpenter saw this and went, "Snow Morricone." Of course. Yeah, we've got. To I think. I think you'd be foolish not to sort yeah. of like acknowledge that as a possibility. I think that's got to. But be you got to think. But is it, if if a director is going, I want Ernie Morricone for mm. my score, because Carpenter loved westerns as well. Yeah, he did. Yeah, like, he always wanted to do a western. Yeah, but they were all out of out style by the time yeah. he came along. Like yeah, um, well, you got to think the assault, thing. The thing yeah. is kind of almost westerny in the fact that they're all they're all like, yeah. I'm not sure who you are. Who I are don't you? trust who are you. you? Yeah, yeah. I don't trust you. I don't yeah. trust you. Who are you? You know, the man, the men with no name, even I though they know each other. Yeah, the creature creates that mystery. Like nobody's really sure who anybody yeah. is anymore. Exactly. So that is essentially like a western. They're all the man with no name. Yeah, they're all, they're all the mysterious strangers, and they're all against. Everyone's all against. Exactly. Each other. Exactly. That's mm -hmm. quite a, quite a broad view of it, but. Mm. I mean, Assault on Precinct 13, um, Carpenter says, is a remake of Rio Grande. Of course, yeah, um, well, definitely. Yeah. Of course it is. There you go. There you go. It's so, just got it's just heavy a police It's yeah. just a police station in modern day. That's it. Yeah. Uh, that's the only difference. But again, it's like it's like it's the thing with in Tombstone, isn't it? You yeah. know, the OK Corral and things like that. You know, it, it's sort of these films, these films, these old westerns yeah. just influence so much. Mm. And the, this film, The Great Silence, I think, is has a lot of hidden influences oh, because yeah. clearly only auteurs and hardened directors saw this film. It's like even though, like you said, it's only got seven reviews on on Rotten Tomatoes, all one hundred percent. Yeah, um, 
But I don't think I still don't think enough people have seen it. No, like, but it's worth it's worth mentioning this yeah. film was heavily criticized. Absolutely. People fucking hated this film in yeah. Italy. It's completely contrasting to Django. Mm. People hated this film. Yeah. And a lot of it is to do with the ending, because the ending is that horribly brutal. Yeah. And it doesn't go anywhere that anybody was expecting. Mm. And you know, it's like you know, today in you know, today's movies yeah. and media, when something doesn't go out they expect like like The Last Jedi, yeah, thing, for example, you yeah. know. And Rise of Skywalker, people launch. You go, it's not mine. It. That's not mine. I don't. I don't like it. Mm. It's not my Star Wars. It's not my whatever. It's not yeah. my Marvel. They did the same thing with this film. Yeah. They went, that's not my Western. Exactly. I don't like it. Exactly right. Fuck off. I don't like this film. And the and, the producer, yeah, with the response from that, didn't release it in the UK. Yep. Didn't release it in North America. Didn't release yep. it in Europe. Uh, the rest of Europe, anyway. I think I think Germany had it though. Yeah, it's sure probably because Klaus can, can yeah, play, I think. I think that was, yeah, they were one of the few countries, like Germany, Austria, I think Denmark had it as well. Okay. But you're right, mm. they literally put a lockdown on it. Yeah. Purely because the Italian audience went, fuck off, that's not our yeah. Western. We don't want that shit. For almost 30 years. Exactly. But this is just saying, like, you know, criticism on that scale isn't a modern thing, you know, no. because of social media or whatever. Yeah. It literally has happened before mm. with Westerns because if somebody's... Certain musicals have had it as well. Where they yeah, go, true. That's not my fucking musical. Yeah. I don't, don't release it. I don't like shit. that arrangement. Yeah. You know, fuck it. It's happened. You know, so there's a few musicals. Natalie's got a few musicals that, you know, hardly saw the light of day because people mm. went, ah, shit, that, because it doesn't follow the same tropes. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, ha it, it tries to do something different yeah. and it doesn't. Yeah. Even though you cancel, you know, whatever mm. people saying, oh, we redo Star Wars and yeah. that rumor's going around at the minute. They're gonna, nah, they won't I'll, do that. They're not going to redo it. But it's the same thing. It was like, oh, remake it or put it in the bin. Yeah. And that's what they kind of did. But it was yeah. like, well, we'll have to put it in the bin then. Yeah. And that's it. And they, they locked it away for 30 years. I, 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 one of my favorite facts about this film and about, <laughs> about the ending specifically was. One audience member in Italy, um, I think it was, uh, yeah, it was Italy. Um, I think I've read this one. He, he, um, he was that upset by the ending. Yes. He fired a gun in yes, the cinema. Yeah. <laughs> he fired a gun in the cinema. Because he was, was in Sicily. He was on oh, the, Sicily, on the island it. of Sicily. Yes. Sicily, so yeah. literally, you can imagine he must have been a member of like, you know. Something. Yeah, yeah. something. And he clearly, I will, oh God, I would love to see it. Like the ending of the film happens and he just casually stands up and goes, oh, well, fire. <laughs> When pistol strikes the screen. I'm not happy. Can you imagine someone can you imagine someone <laughs> in the Star Wars film doing that? Just yeah, just get out. someone goes, Well, I actually brought a real lightsaber. Here you go. Zang, 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 zang. <laughs> but bloody hell. That's you know, mental. Oh, but I mean we haven't even talked about yeah, anything in the no, film yet. We've not even is, got how, to the plot of the film. I mean, this um, is how good the film is. Yeah. And this is how like it's a victim of the time. Yeah, because it is really it is that good. We were like, like it's clearly that harsh that people yeah. just went. We can't handle this. Yeah. We can't handle this. It's, it's too much. It's yeah. too violent. It's too bleak. But it's like we've we've uh, like the the ending is based in truth. Yes, it's based it is, absolutely. I could, in not, fact. I could not believe. I could not believe when the title credits came up and it came up with the and the massacre of blah blah blah. And I went, oh fucking hell, this was real. Yeah. Of course, they yeah yeah it's a, it's a fictionalized version yeah of something that occurred. But the basis for it, but the basis is real. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, oh, 
Fucking hell. I think we've got to actually talk about the film yes. somewhat. Yes, we, <laughs> Sorry, guys. We, we've talked around the film. Um, you, you just, I'll, I'll quote Hannibal. <laughs> Push him in. You can always say it was me. He was, <laughs> blame me for the rambling. You can always no, absolutely blame not. me. It's all, it's all good stuff. It's all good shit. I, I, I want it all. I want it all. Um, but I do think we've got to, we've got to get yes. them, get the kind of the, the gist of the film. Cause we've not even started comparing. No, not even starting a face fudge. It's fine. How much? Yeah, we're, we're, we're well in. Uh, <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> um, it's fine. I don't mind. We can split this. I'm good with that. Um, as long as it's all good stuff, I don't mind. Cool. So. <clears throat> the film starts now th- this this is the the part of the film that i have issue with because i think part of it was my own fault for it was subtitled but i forgot how quickly italians speak yeah and yeah. no I, took, I agree I it know took exactly me a little while to to kind of get up to speed with their speed yeah um and it took me a little while to to grasp but the opening is basically silence rides in again it's another long shot beautiful gorgeous yeah, cinematography snowy mountain gorgeous um he rides in and these these bandits attack him or these bounty hunters i think attack him yeah um and very quickly you get a lot of it's opening gunfight brilliant it's great don't get me wrong but it's very it's very quick and very yeah, 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 yeah. jagged yeah i think is the best way to describe it. it's very like yeah with but it does it does that thing where it's literally like he comes in and he knows yeah he, he, st- he stops his horse and he's yeah. like i'm in an open space here mm. i can see everything yeah i know and it it holds it just a little bit to where you're gonna go yeah. uncomfortable and then bah, 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 bah. yeah they're all dead and then these other guys kind of come up and now i believe in because initially i so there's a character in this called Loco, who's the villain of the piece. Well, you know, quote yeah, unquote yeah. villain, quote unquote villain, but he is he's kind of posited in that light. Yeah. Um, now there's a lot of bandits running around, and I I didn't pick up on a lot of the dialogue at the beginning. In this town called Snow Snow Hills, Snow yeah, Hills? Snow Hill, yeah. Um, there is a man called Polycut, Polycut, Polycut. Yeah, yeah, no, very difficult name. Yeah. Um I th- I'm going to say Polycut. Yeah, we'll so go with that. Polycut. We'll Polycut. Um so he is basically the effectively kind of the town mayor. There is no sheriff. There is no law yeah, in this yeah. town. There is no law. There is this man who is effectively like a banker slash mayor slash he he runs the yeah. entirety of town. He basically he's, runs he's the town. Literally... Um now what has been happening is that the resources have become so low and so scarce that he has he has risen the prices of things and yeah. and raised the cost of things that it gets to a point where people can't afford to pay. Yeah. So they have to become criminals. Yeah, they have and no choice but to steal to exactly, survive. To, to live, to survive. Like we talked about this this harsh environment, this yeah. harsh cold climate, um, you know, this morally bankrupt place only gets worse because of this. Now, at the time, there are still uh, bounty hunters or bounty killers, as, as they're yeah. called in this movie, um, that will because there's no there's no sheriff. Yeah. They have to hire these these bounty killers to yeah. to stop the bandits. But um, this guy is very corrupt and has a has a past uh, with with silence the yes, the gunslinger. Yeah. That's the main of the, the name of the main character. Um, we'll get to that very shortly. But um, he's. Depending on the person, he'll raise, you know, he'll, he'll raise the money more. So, um, there's a character called Pauline. Yeah. Who, who really surprisingly, this is quite, this is quite, um, again, quite a woke film for the time because it has, yeah, definitely 
not only does it have very strong female characters, all the characters, yeah. the female characters, they don't they don't budge for anything. Even in this harsh environment, um, they will not budge an inch. Yeah. In, in whatever regard, because that's they know who they are and they know that's the right thing yeah. to do. Um, but there is a uh, black female, strong female lead in this in this film, and not only that, there's an interracial love scene. Yes, then this is this was in you know late sixties, so this is still yeah. probably quite controversial. I'd be I'd be interested to know whether this came before the Captain Kirk. Yeah, maybe kiss with Uhura. That would be interesting. It's just, just come to me yeah. now. Yeah. Again, again, like that's uh, again. This it's culturally it's quite it's quite different. Yeah. As well. And do you think maybe but it, might but be even another just... reason why it didn't go over to the US? No, I don't. No, 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 no. Oh, that's a good point. Actually, I don't really know. I don't really know. Yeah. I mean, we, we, I mean, we'll probably never yeah. know. But, no. Well, yeah. But there's, I know there's obviously this. You know, America can be, and as we've seen recently, a very racist country, depending on the particular yeah. people we're talking yeah. about. Not all, not all of them, obviously. But yeah, you know, there is there is that. And you know, within the UK as well, and within lots of other places yeah. around the world, um, but historically quite bad in in regards to racism. Yeah. Uh, speaking of racism, this film was actually inspired by so Sergio Corbucci was quite he was anti-establishment, anti-authoritarian, uh, yeah. hence why he created these you know these revisionist these Western exactly these these the the characters in the film are capitalist authoritarian um you know and he's very left-wing and he was inspired by the killings of Che Guevara uh, Martin Luther yeah. King Malcolm X JFK all these people that were their causes were somewhat strengthened by their martyrdom yeah which is something that kind of comes to play at the end as well especially definitely, definitely. Um, especially with this film especially um again we'll get to that we'll get to the ending eventually um you can see that throughout the alleg- the allegory in this film is yeah. crystal clear as as white and as clear as the snow that it's painted yeah, definitely, across. definitely. Um, that allegory is very clear and polycut is the vil- is one of the villains of the piece but again you could argue that he's doing what he needs to do to survive yeah and again like we said it's before it's it's the it's the brilliance of this film is that the ambiguity with all of that mm-hmm. because obviously the idea was to settle the West. It was to civilize the West. Mm. So one could argue that this capitalist man is the future. Yeah. You know, he's a businessman. He wants to set up a business. He wants to set up a trade post to get people to come and to expand the area. A captain of industry, if you yeah. will. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's the, what underpins a lot of later Westerns, mm. you know, is that idea of, you know, the heavy machinery is pushing out all the old ways, all the, you know, and unfortunately a lot of the characters in this film are the old way. Yeah. You know, there's no room for and, them. And again, they're in an isolated area. They're in an isolate, yeah. isolated town where potentially they wouldn't often get those kind of, that new Western, those yeah. new, that new age of, of industry would be coming to them because they're, they're just, they're out in the sticks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, it's very hard to, to get, to like a town like that without a horse yeah. at this in this era. I mean you can imagine like the early West in the early West period was sort of like people going in and um, running furs and you know tobacco trade and things yeah, like yeah. that. You can imagine that at once by you know once upon a time this this particular outpost, this area probably was teeming with business, mm. you know, and it explains why a lot of these people are struggling to survive because that business no longer exists mm. because of the railroads coming in, yeah. things like that. it 
the good thing about the we- these Western films that do this kind of thing, that they explore the ambiguity, is that you can paint pictures of where things might have gone wrong. Yeah. And it's quite clear that this trading outpost, this area where the, where the film inhabits, has fallen away. This is the old world. Mm. You know, you're going to die if you don't move on and find yeah. something different. Exactly. And it, it does you know happen. <laughs> Not unlike what, you know, a big company. I work for a big department store in the mm-hmm. UK. That's having to alter the way it does business now. Yep. You know, it's it we're having it's it's a similar it's situation. Much every business isn't it? Every, every business is having to change how they operate, how they balance their books, yeah. how they pay how they pay their staff, how they hire their staff, yeah. the roles that they play. Mm-hmm. You know, that's it's it still happens. This yeah. is a very kind of you know, it's it's still topical today, even though the yeah. film was set like a hundred years yeah. ago. I mean, and the yeah. film's bloody fifty years old. Yeah, itself. I mean, you you don't have to look at like the old ghost towns in America today. You know, the old like there's still a lot of old Western towns yeah. with the old wooden buildings still standing abandoned. because they were abandoned because yeah. things moved on. The yeah. railroad didn't go that way, or the resources like you know gold or silver or whatever yeah. dried up. There was nothing more to get, so they left and moved on. It happens, and that's what happened in the West. That's why things train changed so drastically, and they changed over a period of thirty years, if that. And that's a very quick space of time for a lot to change. Yeah, and it's 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 drastic. And, and like I said, even now, like a lot of these companies that are, are moving on to kind of like online sales mm. and pushing that, you know that 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 kind of infrastructure wasn't there. Yeah. So so now they're they're having to create it within in sp- instead of like three or four years. Yeah. They're going to have to do it in six months. Yeah. And that's it. And they are doing. Unfortunately, yeah. they're going to be casualties. Yeah. There are there are definitely going to be casualties. Yeah. Um. Anyway, back to the film. Yes, back to the film. <laughs> back to the film. So we, yes, the capitalist so Polycut, man. Polycut, the capitalist man, the captain of industry, and now he's made these people bandits. Yes, he's forced them to be bandits. Yes, and Pauline's husband is now uh, a bandit and is and is forced to come out, and and Polycut is forced to hire these bounty killers, and they are having to kind of enforce everything. Yeah. However. You know, there's these these bandits. I'd honestly admit they're like, we'd happen to be taken alive, yeah, just so we can get some food, or we can be, yeah. you know, t- we can be taken in somewhere warm because we're just uh, trying to survive in this cold environment. Yeah, um, like there's a bit where the because initially the town doesn't have a sheriff, and I think the character's called Fred Wolf. He's probably my favorite character. Yeah. Um, I think it's um, I think it's Sheriff Garrett. I want to say his name is the character's name. Is. Yeah, I think that's um, what it was. And he's basically said, you're going to be the sheriff of this new town. It needs one. Off you go. And he's like, <laughs> okay, I guess I'll go. Um, and the first thing, he comes across these bandits and they, they nab his horse. And they're, yeah. like, and they're like, he's like, why do you need to steal my horse? And they're like, well, we're going to eat it. Yeah. We can eat for weeks off this horse. And, they're like, and he's like, wow, it's that, again, yeah. it's that bleak that they have yeah. to bloody eat somebody's horse just to survive. Yeah. And ugh, scary. But these bandits aren't, again, necessarily the bad guys. But then neither the bounty hunters. No, because they're literally being, they're literally responding to adverts. Hmm. You know, you see in, you see, in you see Western films, you see them, Western video games like Red Dead Redemption, things like that. You pick up bounties, you know, to hunt, you know, criminals. Yeah. So if somebody's posted that these people are criminals, I want them hunted down, and the bounty killers are going to ride in and go, well, yeah. there is a job here, yeah. so I'll do the job so I can get paid and feed my family or feed myself. And this is in, in line with the yeah. law. This is, you know, they're not, they're not, yeah, outside of the law, doing it. They're not vigilantes. No, not they're entirely. Being, no, no. They are hired to do yeah. this. 
But then there's there's instances, especially with Loco, yeah. where he could take them alive. They're willing to go alive yeah. because they're, and he just, they're basically yeah. dying. And he just goes, yeah, finish them, them off horrifically the, as well. And and the, the even the the colder aspect, uh, literally and figuratively, is he leaves their bodies in the snow. Yeah, he's like, I'll come back for him. Doesn't even bury them. He just goes. It's a form of brutality, isn't it? He's like, well, let them suffer that little bit more. Doesn't even respect them enough to bury them. Yeah, he just leaves them, covers them up with a bit of snow, and they refuse to get. They don't. They don't pay him at one point because he comes in with what three bodies, and he's like, well, hang on, you said there was four. He goes, well, I've left one. Yeah, well, you're not having your money then. Yeah, and he's like, oh, oh, okay. Is this how it goes? Yeah, Mm. and obviously when he does get the money, is you know. yeah, but yeah, it's it's, uh, <laughs> it's 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 such a good film. So, yeah, such a good film purely for that. I mean, so many so many layers. Yeah, and that and the the thing I had initially, like, and again, going back to that moral ambiguity, the thing I had, I I, I initially I was like, you know what, Loco supposed to be the villain. I don't think he's that bad. No, I mean, yeah, it's it's difficult, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, and I, and, I, and initially, I didn't really, I, again, because of the, the subtitles and the quite jumpy aspect yeah. of the opening, which I think is probably, it's good, but it's it's very, like, the tone, a lot happens. Yeah, a lot happens in a very quick yeah. amount of time. And then it's slow. And then it's down, a slow yeah. build to the end. Yeah. And I think that's the issue I had. I was like, oh, I'm paying attention to all yeah. this detail. Da, da, da. I didn't pick up that the bandits were forced to be bandits until much later in the film. Yeah. Um. So I didn't think he was all that bad. I was like, yeah. And he's yeah. decided to kill him, sure, but you know, yeah, he's, yeah. he's 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 dead or alive, you know, they still want it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I didn't think it. It was only till kind of again the ending where I was like, actually, no, he's pretty yeah. awful. He's, he's as a pretty human bad being. person. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, the whole the whole journey of silence is as the hero again. It's really really multi layered. Hmm. I, I I still don't know quite what to make of his journey. Because the thing with Silence as well, he's not like Silence is basically a character who um, was a child and bounty killers came for his parents in a similar yeah. situation. He came for his father. Sorry, he came for his father. Came for his father. Yeah. And his mother got killed in the crossfire. Yeah, and, and basically they they went they went. Oh, he's not going to say anything, yeah. is he? And then the lead guy who becomes the capitalist, yeah, lead member of this this bounty killer gang, yeah. who is eventually revealed to be the capitalist goes oh he's not going to say anything and pulls out a big massive knife yeah and cuts clearly his vocal cords yeah. and that's where you get the character of silence who so, can't say anything because he reveals the yeah. cut across his he neck shows, yeah and you see and and apparently it's because the act couldn't speak italian or any yeah. other language apart from french yeah so, so they basically so, went, oh, i don't say anything <laughs> just your silence your silence yeah. is great uh it's gonna be the great silence il grande silencio <laughs> in uh, italian um that was delightful <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> Il grande silencio. Delicious. <laughs> Delicious. Put jam. that on your pizza. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, we have this. Would you like any Il grande silencio? Yes, Il grande please. silencio. Yes, I'll have the Il grande silencio. Um, any pepper? <laughs> oh, God. Can have some palmas up, please? Where have we gone? <laughs> Um, so, yeah, so we have this. Um, we had this, the slitting of the throat while he was a child. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing about Silence is he doesn't draw his gun yes. until somebody else draws his gun. So, so then it's legal. Yes. Then he's not a murderer. Self-defense. And you see it early on. Because he's, he's not a bounty killer. He yeah. kills. He waits he, kills. Yeah, he waits for somebody to react. So at the, the start of the film, it's like really, really tense. 
and he's like, he's just stood there in the middle of nowhere, and then somebody jumps the gun, don't they? Yeah. They're like, I'm going to get him now. Yeah. As soon as he does that, then pam, 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 pam. He's using like, it's... it's that Mauser? Yeah, Mauser. I was going to say, yeah. it's a Mauser pistol, so it's an automatic pistol. So he does the whole cocking back the hammer thing, which yeah. you don't need to do. No. But it looks better. Yeah. But the Mauser pistol just obliterates everybody. Yeah. So, but yeah, every, or, every as single they encounter. Say in, as they say in Phoenix now, it's a Moser. It's a Moser. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> as if you just reference Phoenix Knight. Phoenix Knight. Piece of shit. <laughs> I hate you. I hate you. I know. I know. Oh, God. Uh, but but yeah, yeah. Yes, that's that's right. <laughs> so oh, yeah, he's got the... He's fuck got, you. <laughs> reference Phoenix Knight. In the Western. In the Western month, I have to reference Phoenix Knight. It's only proper. <laughs> oh, my Lord. So so yeah, but the thing about the thing about silence is he's not as honourable as you think. No, he's not. He actively fucking goad. provokes people. Yeah, he goads like, people. He will goad people. He's like he's like I'm waiting for you to do it. He'll yeah. do anything. There's a fucking brilliant scene where he's set, um, he's been hired by Pauline, yeah, whose husband has been killed because he was one of the bandits. Yeah. And Loco decides to just kill him instead of taking yeah. him alive, which he could have done. So she hires Silence to kill Loco. He is sat in the bar with Loco. Loco's having a poker game yeah, or something like yeah. that with all these other, other guys. And Silence, um, he lights his cigar with a match yeah, and just casually tosses the match into Loco's whiskey. Yeah. And and he it's and, like that brief moment yeah. when you're like you're like oh what's he draw? Do? and and draw. Loco knows this Loco knows that he only draws in self defence yeah. he will only do that if he's provoked yeah. so I'm not going to draw I'm not going to play his game yeah well the, the first instance when the match goes into the glass he kind of looks at it, he kind of looks at the corner of his eye as, as if to yeah. say you motherfucker yeah. I'm going to shoot you, you know. but then he so like slowly raises the glass yeah he goes to out. he goes to drink it doesn't picks he? it yeah. out picks it out and then chucks it on the side yeah. and goes to take a drink and then Silas throws the cigar in <laughs> and he's like he's like he looks again and he goes son of a and that's when you go oh shit he knows yeah. he knows Silence's game immediately yeah. and he picks out the cigar out of the glass and then takes a swig yeah and then goes I'm not going to draw first. And immediately the whole thing just gets yeah. upended because Silence doesn't know Flip, what to do. Flipped on his head. Because Silence literally has no idea what to do at that point. He just mm-hmm. kind of goes, oh shit. Yeah. He's not an official ba- bounty hunter. There's yeah. no bounty on Loco. Yeah. So it would be an illegal act to yeah. shoot him, to kill him. So that like, like, tries to convince him to come outside yeah. and, you know, fights him, throws him through a wall, yeah. punches him. And, and then Loco does go to draw yeah. him and his back's turned. But then the sheriff grabs him and goes, because the sheriff has um, the sheriff has a real issue with him. Here's an interesting fact. Apparently, on the set, Klaus Kinski is known for not getting on with people on yeah, set. Yeah, the guy who plays Loco. Yeah. yeah, the guy who plays Loco. Big German guy, these big blue eyes. Uh, very kind of creepy looking guy. Uh, great actor, though. Absolutely fantastic. Perfect. Uh, fantastic. Great in this role as well. Um, um, he works with... Um, oh, God, what's his name? I've forgotten his name again. It's the director. Of... Werner Herzog. Werner Herzog, yeah. Werner Herzog. He works with him a lot. And there's a documentary called My Best Fiend, which is about their relationship and how they did never got on, but they created some, <laughs> they created some fantastic films and fantastic work. Um, and uh, I think there's one about one of the films they did called Fitzcarraldo, which is about mm. getting this massive boat up a hill. Yeah. 